welcome, citizen, to a brand new episode of New Amsterdam Radio. I am Flo Boys, as always, and this show is where we sit and chat with people, movers and shakers in the know, and find out how they do what they do, why they do what they do, and when they do what they do. This episode and all the other episodes of the New Amsterdam Radio family is available for streaming at newamsterdam.com. And of course, wherever you're streaming this podcast right now. So that's Spotify, that's Apple Music, that's Google Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, Deezer, and YouTube. Um, I am okay on my ends. I have some creative projects I've been trying to work on. For those of you who follow me personally over at Flobo Boys on Twitter or at Flobito on Instagram or at Flobo Boys on Instagram as well, you'll notice that this summer, this uh quarantine the spring into summer this combined season i've been trying my hand at a couple of new things hopefully they they work out for me as a creator uh, i just figured i would give a little insight to what i'm working on but if you want to hear more about that make sure you check out the patreon patreon.com slash boys join the boisterous crew and get exclusive access to bonus content now today's guest is gary alvarez uh, an individual that i went to film school with many many moons ago uh, he was a student of the cinematic craft like myself, but over time, I realized he also dabbles in a lot of things. Uh, he is a DJ. He is an educator. He is a filmmaker. Uh, and understands how we can navigate all of those spaces, which is why we call today's episode Espacio. Uh, this interview, I'll be honest with you, uh, it, I wrestled with a lot because, you know, on this radio show, we try to keep the podcast short because I want you to, to listen to an episode on your break from work or while you're walking the dog so you can get back to what you want to do. I don't really do long episodes, but uh, I had a trouble to figure out what would be the best parts. And I encourage you, I urge you, if you're just on the fence considering about becoming a member of the Boisterous crew over at patreon.com slash boys, please do it this week because Gary brings a lot of knowledge, a lot of experiences uh, into his life and how he somehow weaves that into his own journey. Just amazing to listen to, amazing to be a part of. But without further ado, let's get to it. Gary Alvarez right here on New Amsterdam Radio. Welcome back to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. You see, it's your boy Flobo, just sitting here rapping, hanging out with one of the more creative creators I've ever met. This guy reminds me of like my innermost thoughts because he's always thinking about something cool. If dreams were colored, this guy is a kaleidoscope. I want to give my man Gary Alvarez. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you, brother. How are you? I'm good, man. How was the intro? The intro okay? I was, I was trying to work on that. Like, how would I, how would I describe what you are, your essence? You know. <laughs> uh, I thought I thought it was very poetic. You do so much because we met in film school as a filmmaker, but like you're also an educator now. If you were at a party, man, how would you describe what you do uh, to someone who's uninitiated to your brand? Wow, I hadn't thought about it as a brand. You know, I'm still kind of getting used to that aspect of the work that I do. But I think uh, just. To- you know, put it simply, I, I would say I would describe myself as an independent filmmaker uh, slash educator. Um, you know, I started off as a teacher many, many years ago, and uh, I ended up transitioning into a career in filmmaking uh, in my mid-20s. And uh, after film school, where you and I met, um, my path took me back to teaching. Although this, the second time around, 
uh, I'm teaching uh, film production now. Whereas when I first started, I was teaching world history. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't know that. Like, yeah, what man. made you decide to try the teaching film? I know they say that you can work on your craft and, and once you have that base of world history, you can always go back to that. But you decided to transition your educating journey to film. What was the decision for that? It's funny you say that because, um, you know, when I tell people that I was teaching history before film school, and they think that it's a, such a, a huge leap. But if you think about history as one long story and filmmaking as telling stories with pictures, the, le- the, the leap isn't, the gap isn't as wide. For me, it just felt like a natural progression. I, I remember when I was um, a kid, I would be in social studies class and, you know, reading about world civilizations and I would finish my work and I would just flip through it. And I was just drawn to history. And that's what I decided to study as an undergrad. Although at the time I had no intention of ever coming back to LA. So that right. part was uh, just life throwing a curveball at me. <laughs> and, uh, yep, yep. And, uh, and I remember teaching for a few, a few years and I had always been writing, you know, um, and as a matter of fact, uh, I took a road trip. Uh, I hitchhiked from Mexico all the way from the West Coast to the East Coast. And my plan was to write a, a manuscript for a novel. And when I came back from this trip, I remember having this conversation with a filmmaker friend of mine. And he, he's like, this is a very cinematic story. You know, you should turn this into a screenplay. And I had never written a screenplay before. Yeah. So I took a screenwriting class at Long Beach City and I really dug it. And, uh, and then I realized, well, what if nobody wants to direct my, my screenplay? I've got to learn how to direct it myself. So I took a production class. I really dug it. That is a cool story as it is, but you had me sold at Hitchhiking Cross Mexico. Uh, was that like the intent where you're like, I'm going to go on this journey and define the story and find myself or just like a, something happened that related to you to do that? Because that seems to be the spark that cascaded to everything else. Yeah, man, two things happened. I read Jack Kerouac's On the Road uh, in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And uh, to this day, that book remains one of the most uh, influential and inspiring uh, pieces of literature that I've read. Uh, so I read that. And uh, the other thing, too, is much like in On the Road, if, you, if you've read it or if your listeners haven't read it, uh, the book starts with Jack uh, experiencing a loss in his family. And strangely, I experienced that, too. My dad had passed away um in 2002 uh a, f- a few months after i graduated from cal and uh you know i was just i i felt like i just needed to get the fuck out of here you know i, I needed to get out of la and uh and that seemed like the logical thing to do is just hit the road you know and yeah. and see and see what happens you know i really did, it was a one-way ticket actually i didn't even have a ticket <laughs> it was just a one-way <laughs> trip i had no intention of coming back it's not that I was opposed to it. If I came back, cool. If I didn't, it, it was all the same to me at that point, you know? Yeah. And uh, the original plan, actually, because I did kind of brainstorm it a little bit, my original plan, so at the time I was driving a 2001 uh, New Beetle, which looked like little spaceships to me, you know? And so I used to call it the pod, and the plan was to drive the pod to its birthplace. Uh, at, at that time, they weren't being made in Germany anymore. They were made in the city of Puebla in Mexico. That didn't happen, needless to say. I, I managed to drive all the way down to Ensenada. Uh, it's not even close to Puebla. <laughs> yeah. No. It's not even on the mainland, man. <laughs> no, the- uh, and then, so what ended up happening was my partner at the time, I told her, to, you know, take the car back, uh, 
to, to Long Beach where, where I was staying at the time. And then uh, I, I resorted. I didn't really have a plan B. I'm like, fuck, I just know that I needed to get there. And fortunately, I had saved up some, some cash to make this trip. And so from there, uh, I basically I hitchhiked all the way down to Baja to Land's End. Uh, and then from Baja, I took a ferry over to the mainland. And uh, my mom, my folks are from Mexico, and my mom at the time was living in the state of Nayarit. And so she met me in Mazatlan. Uh, and then we, from there, I stayed with my mom for a couple of days just to spend some quality time with my mama because I love her very much. And uh, and then from there, it was just on. Like, well, you know, I, I ended up going to tequila and going to the whole, like, the town, the Pueblo, and hitting up the distilleries and and I had I had made friends from when I was uh, an undergrad at Cal. I did the uh, education abroad program, and I studied in Mexico City in 2000. And so I had some peeps already in Mexico City that uh, gave me a couch to crash on. And so when I got to Mexico City, um, reunited with them, and you know we had a blast. And uh, and then I was doing some research. You know, at, at that point, that was going to be the end of it. I was like, oh, I guess this is it. You know, and then I was doing some research and at the time i don't know if you remember internet cafes man yeah i do yeah. i studied abroad in central america that's all the rage <laughs> yeah yeah man so i went to internet cafe i was just checking my email and then i saw that there was going to be this uh, a music festival in cancun and shaka khan was headlining Whoa. featuring poncho sanchez and my friends los amigos invisibles and i'm like this is a sign man like i gotta keep going you know yeah so uh so i i called I emailed my, my partner at the time and I'm like, Hey, there's this festival going on in Cancun. Meet me in Mexico city. She had a uh, family living in Mexico city and let's, let's, let's go to this festival in Cancun. It's, it was like a, I wouldn't say it was like Coachella because it was only like a, I think a one day event. But if you can imagine we get there and they built a stage on the sand, you know, and my friends, Los Amigos came on and Poncho Sanchez came on and then Shaka Khan came on and it was just amazing, dude. It was yeah, one of those things, you know, that, once in a lifetime kind of thing and uh so we made it to cancun at that point I'm, i had a, a partner along the journey and uh i had always seen you know when i was when i was studying abroad i had always wanted to check out these mayan ruins in in a place called tulum have you ever been no i haven't been to mexico well ensenada but that doesn't really count <laughs> I oh, ensenada, been mainland. <laughs> yeah no ensenada counts man so that's a cool place most people dismiss tj because there's so many tourists but hey yeah. man south of the yeah. border it's real brother yeah it's real <laughs> i can imagine <laughs> part of it was hitchhiked a part of it was um on bus a part of it was walking there's a, a one point when i was coming into mexico city i was the bus driver made me, um, he, he snuck me in into the, uh, so underneath the bus, if you've ever taken the gray dog, there's the, uh, on long trips, there's a luggage compartment. And then next to it is another compartment, uh, where for long drives, the, the, the second driver will sleep. Oh, and he that. snuck. Yeah. He snuck me in there, man. Um, <laughs> that was a crazy trip, man. I'm, I'm riding underneath the bus as I'm cruising into Mexico city, you know, underneath the bus. That is cool, actually. <laughs> I want to see it, that movie. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't by choice, man. Uh, I, I I ended up catching the bus at a crossroads, literally a crossroads in Mexico. They call it the Crucero. So my mom lives in a small a small little town, and we don't have like a proper bus terminal. So you have to take a taxi to the highway, and at this highway, you have the crossroads going north and south. The bus is going north from Mexico City to Tijuana. 
and then going south from Tijuana to Mexico City. So I get there, and this bus is like the 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 they have classes of buses. They have the lower class, middle class, upper class. This just happened to be an upper class one that I got. I gave I gave the bus driver the equivalent of fifty bucks, and I'm stoked because I got my own seat. It's nice and air conditioned. They got a TV. It's uh I wake up in the morning because it's an overnight trip. It's about a fifteen hour bus ride. And we stop uh, to get uh, to get breakfast. And when we get back on the bus, he's letting everybody get on the bus. And then when it's my turn to get on, he stops me and he's like, "Do no, not you," you know. And I'm like, "What?" He's like, he opens that compartment that I mentioned, and he's like, "Metete," you know, get in. Yeah. And I look yeah. at him and I'm like, "What?" Like I ain't going in there, you know. I look inside. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's like this twin mattress that's all like dirty, like soiled, and like a sarape. Yeah, and he, just, he just looks at me. And he's like, "Hey, you want to get to Mexico City or not?" And I look around. I'm like, "Where am I?" You know, I'm like, "All right, man, fuck it." Yeah, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I get, I get in, you know, and uh, and it had, I don't know if when you're, if you're ever when you were traveling down south, but uh, it, it, there's this, there's these comic books uh, in Mexico and in South America that are, they're they're about they're pocket size, and a lot of times they show explicit. Uh, content, you know, like sex and stuff, and so there's like a stack of those in there. It's like basically the equivalent of uh, comic book porn. Yeah, you're like basically in a dorm room in wheels. That's what you are. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. That's a good way of, of describing it. But I saw you spin a couple times on your show, Persistence of Sound, of which I wasn't a guest on. But I want I want you to describe this to people because I try to do this at, to others, and it, it just blows their mind. And that here, like, smack dab in Boyle Heights, right? One of the most, like, like culturally awesome parts of town, but it's, like, fighting all gentrification. Gary Alvarez has a show, like, like almost like in the movie Do the Right Thing, where it's, like, on the street side, <laughs> where you're mixing and talking about music every week. Like, walk me through Persistence of Sound. Like, what does that mean? How did you get the gig? And how did it evolve? Yeah, man. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. I remember I reached out to you, I think, during our first year. We yeah. just celebrated our four-year anniversary. Was it 16? Damn, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. We're up to like 180-something. Um, we just celebrated our four-year anniversary in in February. Um, thank you, brother. And you were our, actually our MC. My penultimate gig this year. <laughs> and uh, you did an awesome job. And thank you, um, thank you for that again. Uh, the way it came about was kind of like many things in my life, man. Uh, a little bit of being at the right place at the right time. So, as you mentioned, uh, the, sh the show itself is part of the uh, Radio Espacio network. And Radio Espacio itself is a little radio station, internet radio station, uh, that's run out of a place called Espacio 1839, which literally translates to Space 1839. And it's this little boutique slash gallery slash little marketplace right in the heart of Bowl Heights, which is uh, a home away from home for me. I'm not originally from Bowl Heights, but I'm grateful to be a part of that community. And uh, one day I just I was working on a documentary project for this organization called the East LA Community Corporation. I was shooting a, a promo for their 20th anniversary and I was just scouting locations in the neighborhood because their headquarters is right on the corner. And I remember walking by uh, the sidewalk and there's a sandwich board that said vinyl and an arrow pointing inside. 
And whenever I see that man, like <laughs> trap, man, it's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap, but I just like I, I just I zero in, you know, and then I just make I'm on a mission, and then I just get side sidetracked. So I go in, and uh, sure enough, at, at that time they had just opened that that particular location. So uh, there's a lot of white walls, but uh, they did have some merch. And what what caught my attention was a lot of the stuff that they slang. There is art and and t-shirts and jewelry that are that are designed and, and handmade by local artists and vendors and that straight away just caught my attention and i got into this conversation and then obviously i saw the vinyl too and i flipped through it um it was a little overpriced so i didn't end up buying anything but uh it's i was able to st uh, start a conversation with nico who was running it at the time and still is running it and just started asking him all these questions and i saw uh, that they had this glass partition and on the other side of this glass partition were some 1200s and that is like another sign for me it's like they were just like glowing you know like right. so i hit him up i'm like what do you got those 1200s there for and he's like oh we have a little radio station here and at the time it was called radio sombra it was yeah, under a different yeah. that's what i called it when i was there yeah yeah it was under a different leadership at the time um that was run by uh, an, another person who was a part of that collective and uh, and I asked him, like, hey, man, like, uh, this is really cool. You know, like, how do I get involved? And he's like, well, you know, come by one of these days when we're having like an open mic and I'll introduce you to Marco, who runs the radio station. And we'll see what happens, you know, flash forward. Nothing came of it. I went about finished my my little project for the community corporation. And uh, one day I get invited to an open mic there. And uh, and I hit up Nico again, and, and he didn't he didn't remember me. I, I'm one of those guys that's like totally forgettable. Like, uh, <laughs> what? he's like, who are you? he's like, who are you again? And I'm like, we met a couple a couple weeks ago. I was I'm here. Totally he's like, forgettable. <laughs> well, he didn't he didn't remember, man. Yeah. So, anyways, long story short, he's like, well, you should talk to Marco. He's never here, but he's outside smoking a cigarette. Go hit him up. So I hit up Marco. I introduced myself, you know, and uh, he kind of gives me this look like, who's this white boy? And I'm like, I ain't no white boy, you know. I'm a Chicano from Bell, so let's <laughs> let's get that let's let's get that straightened out. And uh, and I told him that I wanted to spin um, some records, and uh, and he told me, why don't you come by next Wednesday, bring your records, and I'll show you how to show I'll show you how to use the gear, and you can have your own show. And I was like, what? This is too too easy, too good to be true. Right. Um, so I show up next Wednesday with my crate of vinyl, and the look on his face is like. Ah, oh, like, he's actually oh, showed up. Yeah, yeah. He, I called his bluff. He didn't think yeah. I was gonna show. Yeah, but you know, I gotta say, Marco is a man of his word, and he showed me how to use the gear. Um, you know, I had been spinning at that point since 2000, and this is in 2016, so over a decade. Um, but I had never used uh, a, a soundboard. Uh, I had never talked to a mic. I'm super shy. And so all of these things are, are new to me. And uh, he showed me how to use the gear. An hour later, I had my my very first show. And uh, I did it for about four weeks just by myself, spinning records uh, for two hours. At the time, it was a, a noon show. And then I realized, fuck, like, I don't know how long. I don't have enough records to, to I don't know how long this, this show is going to go, but I'm going to run out of records eventually, you know? Yeah. So then I had this bright idea. And I'm like, what, what, what if I have like a guest DJ segment where like all my friends, because all my friends are like uh, creative people in one way or another, and a lot of them are musicians. And uh, and I and I had this flashback to when we were kids in the '90s, growing up, and we would just 
so excited when new music would come out. We'd go to Middle Earth Records and we would get like the British import of like the new Oasis single or the Stone Roses, whatever it may be. And it was just an exciting time for new music and, and saving all your lunch money and going to spend it on records, you know? And I miss that, you know, because, I, you know, we're, we're in our 30s now. Uh, nobody really has the time to, you know, hang out and listen to a whole record all day, you know? Right. But then I thought, well, why don't, why, instead of doing that, like, why don't I have this guest DJ segment and have my friends come here for an hour and spin about record? We can spin records and just talk about the projects that they're working on, you know? And I decided to call the show uh, Patched In, you know? And that I took actually from my experience at Chapman, uh, patching in XLRs or Stingers or whatever, you know? And I just thought yeah. it, sounded, yeah. it sounded like a cool name for the guest DJ segment. And so. Uh, week five was my first guest, uh, my friend Steve Mungaro, who I've known since uh, the mid-90s, partying in Southgate. He's a bass player, a uh, musician, and a producer. And I didn't, I totally forgot that you were volume, what, what did you say, 16? I think no, I'm in a 20 somewhere. I'm actually looking All at it 20s. now. Yeah, because it was very, yeah, cause I remember what it was, because I had to come, I had a, my, my last day job where they made me dress up. Uh, I had to leave that job early to make your show on time. And so I remember showing up there with like my button down shirt and my, my yeah. khakis being like, yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't fit in here at all. What <laughs> am were, I doing? You were looking sharp, man. <laughs> Very professional. I do remember. Persistence and, of sound volume 27. That is wow. the, official, the official number on it. Yeah, man. So at that point I had only been doing it for 27 weeks, which is what I, I don't, I'm not really good at math. Uh, five months, maybe four or five. Yeah. Months. Yeah, man. So I was really new. Um, like I said, the whole radio uh, show was a new concept. I had never done anything like that. It took me a while to kind of find my groove. Uh, I didn't want to copy what other people were doing. Um, and most importantly, I wanted to spin music that I like and that I listen to because, you know, uh, this is before I had serious radio. And so I was still listening to terrestrial and, uh, the terrestrial radio of the mid 2015s just wasn't what it was when I was growing up in the 90s in LA, and um, it was very frustrating to listen to the music that I was listening to on the radio. So that can that gave birth to the show itself, and just having the opportunity to hang out with friends and spin records and catch up with them because a lot of times I don't get to see them. And I know we're running a little low on time, but I want to talk about one thing that we do have in common. Also, on top of that. And this is why I picked up the phone or messaged you about it. I see you working on a graphic novel. What? That is awesome. Can you put me onto this? You know, please. Um, well, let me take a step back. It's, it's not being developed as a graphic novel. Although now that I have the concept art for Brown Falcon, uh, I'm open to developing as a graphic novel for a couple of reasons. And, and I'll explain uh, a little bit further down the line, but I have this series that I'm developing, uh, a Latinx superhero called Brown Falcon. And uh, it, when I conceived of it a couple years ago, uh, this is pre-Black Panther, uh, before Black Panther had come out. Um, I, I imagined it as a live action series. And so my idea was to develop this character who is a, uh, a Navy SEAL vet uh, who's toured uh, the Middle East, uh, hundreds of missions. He was actually training 
to be, he's a helicopter pilot. He was training for the mission to uh, assassinate Osama bin Laden. The mission before that, he gets injured and he gets taken off uh, SEAL Team 6, which is mm -hmm. the, the team that's, that smoked bin Laden. And he comes back and he sees uh, what's going on in his community with the ICE raids and the police killings. And uh, he ends up getting involved uh, and steps up and steps into this role as a brown falcon to conceal his identity. And so that's kind of the how I imagined it at the time. It's kind of morphed over over time. Uh, it's set in Long Beach um, because I love Long Beach. It's uh, my adopted home and I think it's very cinematic and I feel like uh, of all the neighborhoods in LA, uh, it's still relatively unknown, which I kind of appreciate and I don't want to uh, burn it out because I don't want all the the uh, transplants to end up in Long Beach <laughs> and turn it into Santa Monica <laughs> yeah. and turn it into Santa Monica. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, no, no disrespect to you, brother. I don't. Uh, I live in Culver City, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, oh well, that's right down the street from where I'm at. Yeah, yeah um, I live in Palm Side. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm over by Pan's uh, Pan's Diner. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're close. Yeah, super close. But uh, but also, Long Beach is very cinematic. You know, it's got the Long Beach on the skyline. You got the ocean. Um, and it's just a really cool place and it's got its own vibe. So, um, so I, I wrote a pilot for it and, uh, you know, I've been pitching it around town to anybody who's willing to listen. And, uh, I finally got around, I had a friend of mine do, uh, some storyboards for one of the major scenes in the, in the pilot where he throws a cop off the Via Rivera, uh, building, which at the time was the highest building in Long Beach. Doesn't kill the cop. But he throws him off the roof to teach him a lesson for all you cops out there. <laughs> How to get your and, bones broken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and then recently I finally had some extra funds to invest in uh, the suit design. And so I reached out to a fellow Chapman, um, an undergrad who's an animator. I saw him post some stuff on Instagram and I liked his work. And I reached out to him and I'm like, hey, you know, have you ever done, you know, concept art for a character before? And he's like, no, but I'm down <laughs> and I'm like, all right, let's, let's try it, you know? And so over the, over uh, the last couple of months, you know, we just been developing the suit. And I uh, basically, what I told them is I wanted, I wanted to create, you ever been into a carniceria where they have the calendar and it's got the Aztec warrior and he's holding the Aztec princes in his arms. She's dying. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or pose like that, but sure. <laughs> right. And I'm sure if you haven't seen the calendar, you've seen it on a low rider somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I wanted the, the Aztec warrior concept, but I wanted it to be as if we were in living in the world of Tron because okay. I wanted, I wanted it to exist in present day. And so the idea was the Aztec spirit, uh, warrior spirit, with 21st century military grade technology because he has access to that kind of uh, uh, gear. And so what you saw, the image that you're, that you're referring to um, is the work that came out of our, our collaboration. And uh, recently I've been having a lot of general meetings with some showrunners and some, some execs and kind of testing the waters to see, because we don't know what's gonna happen. I mean, nobody's shooting anything. so. You know, after seeing when I first posted that that image, people uh, thought that it was an animated show, you know, or that it was a, a comic book, and so right. that kind of 
that kind of gave me the idea of like, you know, I'm open to that since, we, you know, an animated series, we don't, we don't need physical production. It seems like it's a lot easier. And also, you know, I'm a fan of Batman comic books. So I figured maybe, maybe I can at least do a pilot in the form of a graphic novel and have that as uh, IP to pitch around. Sure. So if you know of any uh, down-ass comic book um, artists, send them my way. I reached out to one on Facebook, and he hasn't responded. And so uh, I'm going to keep trying. But um, but ideally, I, I, would like, I would like to see it as a live action. I just want to say thank you, man, for coming on the show. New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast. For oh, shit, are we done? We are done, baby. We made it. <laughs> yes, it was. I went by quick. Easy peasy. Uh, yo, do me the world a favor though. If they want to like look at what you're working on, they want to follow you on social media. How can they get in touch with you? Um, so you can find me at Gary Alvarez Castaneda. That's my Instagram handle. Um, I post on there pretty regularly. Um, if you want to listen to past shows of Persistence of Sound. Uh, we do have a Mixcloud archive. All 180-plus volumes are there going back to uh, February of 2016. Uh, you can find Flobo's uh, episode on there. What number 27. was it? 27. Uh, so you can go on to Mixcloud. We also have uh, a Persistence of Sound Facebook page that I, because of the lockdown um, and because I don't have a, a weekly live show, what I've been doing is what I call the uh, – persistence of sound lockdown series and every wednesday which is when my show would normally air i drop a 13 song set uh it's a mix of new releases mixed in with some classics mixed in with some some of the jams that i like to listen to for people who are interested and who are looking for new music um here's another uh, alternative for you guys to listen to and other than that, uh, I'm starting to use Twitter more because it seems to get a lot of traction. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are about Twitter. I'm kind of a, a newcomer to it. I use it for different aspects of my strategy. Like Instagram is more for like photos of me doing crazy things and all the important stuff. But like when I'm live watching a TV show or if I want to try new jokes or material, it's a net, it's better to do on Twitter. So I will say this, one thing, one of the reasons why I've been using it is uh, I'm in a writer's group now and we put out a call uh, uh, on Twitter to meet with writers and showrunners and, and executives. And we've, so far since that went out, we've met with like over a dozen. Whoa. And so if you're, if you're a filmmaker or a writer out there, you know, looking to connect, just put something out there on Twitter and surprisingly, you will get a response. And so a little insider tip for you and your peeps. Dang, all right. <laughs> I'll be famous now. <laughs> hey, are you still doing uh, sound design at all? No, man. I haven't I haven't sound designed a thing in a long time. I think uh, I will do things a little bit here and there for my own personal projects, but as far as that being a gig, I moved on. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have yeah. to have a, another discussion. Yeah. Well, when, I don't know, when, man. I, when I have my show again, I'll, I'll have you come back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. I might get sucked back in there because I'm doing so many of these podcasts now. Like I have, I think I have six shows, seven shows now that it might get pulled back into doing sound design, editing all over again. It's my own stuff. So who knows? Right on, brother. Yeah, well, man. Thanks again, man. I appreciate you inviting me and reaching out. I, w I would like to pr uh, um, plug one thing really quick. So I was invited to host a, a cafecito with the Cal Alumni Association. It's next uh, Thursday, I think at 7 p.m. 
I'll send you the link if you could share uh, through your network. And it's yeah. basically me doing what I just did, but for Cal uh, freshmen, incoming freshmen and current students, and just sharing about my experience as a Cal uh, student and hopefully sharing some uh, experience, strength and hope with uh, the next generation. And I meant what I said. We were just getting started. Make sure you check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash boys for the interview in its entirety with Gary Alvarez. As for me, I got to go back to my own content calendar, my own strategy to figure out what other spaces I can operate in. And it's always fun to do that. Always fun to take stock of what you're working on, take stock of what you can improve and how you can shift things and open your mind up to this is to be a member on this journey that we call life. And that's something I'm going to take today with my conversation with Gary that sometimes, yeah, you may have the tools, you may have the education, you may have the experiences, but open yourself up to saying, okay, I'll check it out. <laughs> you know, could be a game changer. This is New Amsterdam Radio. I'm Flobo Boys. I'll see you next time right here. In the meantime, the city is yours. Hey there, citizens. Flobo here. You know, besides being a DJ or MC and all our nice guy. I am a stand-up comedian first and foremost. In fact, my album, American for Now, is available wherever you get your music. We're talking Apple Music, we're talking iTunes, we're talking Spotify. American for Now is just a crazy take about one person's first-generation experience being in this country when it comes to taking your mom out to Memphis or serving jury duty and much, much more. The album is called American for Now, and it's by me, Flobo Boys. Comedy unfiltered.